the name of God, creator, liberator, and sustainer of the universe. John's Gospel, from which our Gospel reading this morning is taken, is a very complex Gospel. John often speaks on various levels, and people will sometimes address people on one level, and the other group will respond on another level, particularly when Jesus is involved in the conversation. Our reading this morning is a continuation of the Gospel reading from last Sunday. In that reading, Jesus had been teaching a large crowd for a long time, and the people were very hungry. And Jesus knew that they were hungry. And Jesus took some bread and fish and fed the people. Gandhi once said that to a hungry person, God dare only appear as bread. God appeared to the 5,000 who were listening to Jesus teach as bread and fish. Shortly after feeding that large crowd, Jesus left. And a part of that crowd, joined by some other people, apparently who had heard of the wonder act, also followed Jesus. Now, Jesus shortly senses that this crowd is not so much interested in what he is teaching, but they are looking for wonder bread. They are looking for a free fish sandwich lunch. They do not care so much about the deeper things that Jesus is talking about. Jesus senses this, and he turns to this crowd and says, you are in need of something more than another free lunch. You are in need of the bread of life. And I am that life, he says. He says, if you feed on me, you will never hunger again. If you drink the living water, which I am, you will never thirst again. The crowd doesn't get it. The crowd doesn't get it. Jesus is talking about spiritual transformation and nourishment, and the crowd is still thinking about wonder bread. Earlier, Jesus had said, I am the bread that came down from heaven, making a comparison to the manna which fed the people in the wilderness when they came out of captivity in Egypt. Jesus said, feed on me, feed on me. Again, the crowd did not get it in the first place. John allows us, in reading his gospel, 
to see this dichotomy. The people are asking for one thing, and Jesus is answering on a different level. Jesus sees that they have a deeper need than what they're asking for. John is also very clear that when it becomes clear to the people that Jesus is not going to give them what they want right now, they turn on him. They turn on him. They turn on him in a very bitter way. They turn on him and say, who does he think he is telling us that we need to be fed by what he teaches and who he is? We know his father. His father is Joseph, and Joseph is a carpenter. He comes from a family that sure is not royalty. He's just a working class person like all the rest of us. And he has become too conceited for his own good. What do you mean, I am the bread of life? Feed on me. I am the way. Where in the world did he ever even learn to talk like that? And they are frustrated and they're angry and they turn away. Now, John lets us see this because John wants us to know that there is a very good reason why Jesus talks this way, why Jesus teaches this way, why this dichotomy occurs. The late and, I think, great Anglican poet W.H. Auden, who for many years was on the vestry of St. Mark's in the Bowery in New York City, once said, you don't have to be a poet to be a Christian, but it helps. You don't have to be a poet to be a Christian, but it helps. What Auden meant by that was that all our language that reaches to the depths of our souls is almost all metaphoric or poetic. It's almost all metaphoric or poetic. The great 17th century scientist and theologian Blaise Pascal said in what has been considered by some the most important thing that Pascal ever said. Pascal said, the heart has its reasons which the reason cannot know. The heart has its reason which the reason cannot know. Now, Pascal knew very well that the heart is not the organ of the body that's associated with reasonable thinking. He knew that was the brain. But we all know, we all know in our very being that Pascal was absolutely correct. We all know that the heart has its reasons which the reason cannot know. Some years ago, I, I worked with a bishop, a very good bishop. People used to say of him, he thinks with his heart. And then they very often would 
add, and then the institution has to bring him back. He thinks with his heart. Whenever, whenever we hear about the reason of the heart, whenever we hear of opening our heart, when we say, for example, our hearts were broken, our hearts were broken when we, when we heard of the separation of children from their parents at our southern border, we don't mean that we now need heart surgery to put it back together. We don't need open heart surgery. What we mean is that we are open to the suffering of the world. What it means is that we care. What it means is that our heart has been fed and touched by the compassion that we see in Jesus. John, John taught the way he did because he believed that Jesus wanted to speak directly to the heart. That Jesus wanted to speak directly to the heart. That Jesus knew that what we primarily needed was spiritual nourishment, that we needed to be fed in such a way that we would be transformed. It is said of St. Augustine of Hippo that when he first began to read scripture, when he was thinking about becoming a Christian, that when he first read the Bible, he thought that it was a poorly, a poorly edited book. He also felt that the book was not so clearly written and that a better job could have been done. And he had a hard time reading it. So he went to see Ambrose, later became Saint Ambrose, the Bishop of Milan. And he said, he said to a Ambrose, I, I'm having a hard time reading this. And Ambrose said to him, to read the Bible, you must learn to read it in the way are for the purpose for which it was written. You must read it for spiritual nourishment. You know, when we use the, 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 the word passage, when we refer to passages from the Bible, what we are implying was that this section of the Bible is a passage to something deeper, that it leads us someplace. When Augustine began to see that, he was transformed. When Augustine learned how to read the Bible, when Augustine learned to read the Bible with the reason of the heart, his heart was transformed. The great Anglican priest, Jonathan Wesley, or John Wesley, referred to his great spiritual transformation simply by saying, I felt my heart strangely warm. I felt my heart strangely warm. And when he felt his heart strangely warm, his heart was open to the world with a compassion that he had not had before. We began our liturgies in the Anglican Communion or in the Episcopal Church 
with what we call a colic for purity. The colic states, Almighty God, unto whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. All of us are here in part because we have glimpsed something of who Jesus is and what he was saying. Some of us have been touched by the language of the heart. But we also know, we also know that we need to keep praying the colic for purity because we need to have our hearts continually cleansed. We need to have our hearts continually transformed. We need to be remade. The late U.S. poet Mary Oliver, one of my favorite poets, was also an Episcopalian. She wrote in her poem, Lead. I tell you this to break your heart. I tell you this to break your heart, by which I mean simply to open your heart so that it is never again closed to the world. I tell you this to break your heart, by which I simply mean to open your heart so that it is never again closed to the world. The open heart, the open heart is open to the world. The open heart is open to the broken one. The open heart is open to the captive. The open heart is open to the refugee screaming for water. The open heart is open to the other. The open heart longs to be fed by the bread of life. The open heart longs for the compassion of Jesus. We know, we know that we have for too long tried to feed our soul on too many fish sandwiches. We've tried to feel our soul wealth and status and adoration and it has not worked it has not worked we need we need to open ourselves to having our hearts broken broken for the other we live in a society which more and more is becoming a bitter violent and closed heart place. We need to become an open-hearted people. We need to pray that God will come to us, that we may feed on the bread of life, that our hearts may be broken open, and that we never again close them to the world. Let there be peace among us, and let us never be instruments of our own, 
or anyone else's oppression. Amen.